the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Revelation. There are some people that God gives the ability to produce wealth and they use it well and not in every case obviously some people use money for wrong purposes but you know at least as it relates to a biblical worldview of things God entrusts material things to some people and not to other and so if he's entrusted you with material blessings then be a blessing be a funnel for for God's goodness and be generous as he's been generous to you If you've been blessed by God, it's not just for you to benefit from. God desires to use you to be a blessing to others if He's blessed you with financial and material wealth. How are you using the blessings and gifts that God has given you? Today, Pastor Gary will be challenging you to be a good steward over what He's given you. One day, you will stand before Him and have to give an account for what you've done here on earth. The purpose is to allow the Lord to use you with what He's blessed you with. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Revelation chapter 18 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection taking you real quickly through chapter 17. She sits on many waters. We talked about how that's global influence. Verse 15 spelled it out for us. So this world religion has global influence. Uh, Also, the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. It speaks of this false religion, which is spiritual adultery. That's why the word fornication is used, because people are turning their hearts away from God and turning towards this false religion. In that sense, it's spiritual fornication. In verse 3, it tells us she's sitting on a scarlet beast. In other words, that this world religion rode to prominence with the Antichrist. He ushers this in. In verse 4, it says she is arrayed in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, precious stones, and pearls, meaning that she's associated with wealth and royalty. This world religion is lucrative. Uh, Also in verse 6, it says that she was drunk with the blood of the saints. So this religion promoted uh, through violence against believers. Uh, And uh, verses 9 and 10 tells us that she sits on seven mountains, which are seven kings or kingdoms, And that tells us that she's associated with the political system, which links to chapter 18. We'll talk about tonight. This is where, though, by the way, some people think that it's a reference to Rome, the seven hills of Rome. But I think it's more than that. Some also talk about, well, maybe this is Catholicism, the Roman Catholic Church. I think it's larger than that. And then also in chapter 17, verses 16 and 17, it says, the beast and the ten horns will hate the harlot and bring her to ruin and give their kingdom to the beast. 
So this ten-nation confederation that governs the world at the time will hand their power over to the Antichrist, and at the same time they do that, uh, he will be exalted as the, the world leader who should be worshipped himself. So chapter 17 appears to happen in the first three and a half years of the tribulation, and the Antichrist will rule and be worshipped. And so that takes us now to chapter 18. Chapter 17 about this uh, spiritual Babylon, this false world religion. And now when we come here to chapter 18, we're dealing with commercial Babylon. That is that it will likely be the center of world political and an economic system. So we have one world religion in chapter 17. It merges into the Antichrist himself. And we see in chapter 18 a one-world government, which gets condemned here. And so we're going to go through chapter 18. Let me read the first eight verses, and then we'll, we'll pray for our Bible study tonight. So here we go, chapter 18, verse 1. After these things, John writes, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. That's very similar to what we read in chapter 17 about the world religion. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her just as she rendered to you, and repay her double according to her works." In the cup which she has mixed, mix double for her. In the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as queen and am no widow and will not see sorrow. Therefore, her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges." So John starts this chapter by saying in verse 1, after these things I saw another angel coming down from heaven, great authority, the earth illuminated with his glory. Some uh, think that this is a reference to Jesus, uh, but, but it's not a reference to Jesus because John says, I saw another angel, and it is the Greek word alon, alon or alos means of the same kind. What's he comparing to? The angel of chapter 17. In chapter 17, verse 1, he said, Then one of the seven angels who had their seven bowls came and talked with me. And so this is a similar angel. This is not Jesus here. He sees another angel of the same kind as chapter 17, coming down from heaven, great authority, the earth illuminated with his glory. So, you know, angelic beings are are glorious, uh, but this is not Jesus. And verse 2, And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon... The great is fallen, is fallen, has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to go through, not every single, we're going to read every verse, but I'm just going to highlight a couple of verses 
that kind of highlight what uh, Babylon the Great is here in chapter 18. And the first thing that he says there is Babylon has fallen. He repeats it for emphasis, is fallen and has become a dwelling place of demons. He talks about a prison for foul spirits, a cage for every unclean and hated bird. And what he's saying here is it will become desolate. So he he prophesies about the day of its desolation and destruction. Now, he's going to get more specific about its destruction coming, but he starts the chapter by saying that, and we would say, whatever this Babylonian system is, uh, it's going to be destroyed, and John sees it and talks about it right at the beginning of the chapter. And he mentions also there in verse 3 that, uh, all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornications. In other words, that nations became intoxicated with materialism and greed. You see, when Babylon becomes this center of one world commercial economic system, um, it becomes the, um, the trophy for greed and materialism. And people in this day are going to be just overwhelmed with greed and materialism and, um, and, and things related to commercialization of stuff. And so that's how the world is going to trend. It's going to have this one world uh, religion in chapter 17. It's going to have this one world economic system that people are basically going to love and worship. And, you know, it's not far-fetched because materialism is something that can grab any of our hearts if we're not careful. Uh, there's, there's a little bit in every single one of us that covets what we don't have. There's a little bit in every one of us that is greedy uh, for, for material things. It's just part of our sin nature. And, and so we have to be very wise about these things. Now, now look, again, there's nothing against uh, material things. There's nothing against wealth. In fact, in Deuteronomy 8.18, it says that God gives people the ability to produce wealth. Um, but... At the same time, we have to understand he doesn't give everybody that ability. You know, there are some people who can't handle money. They just can't. Uh, you, when you look at stories, if you've ever read stories about people who have won the lottery and they've gotten a boatload of money that they didn't earn and how they either squander it or they get killed because of it or they, or they uh, you know, snort it or drink it until they're dead. And you see all these tragic stories about people who win the lottery. Why? Because some people just can't be trusted with money. And so there are some people that God gives the ability to produce wealth and they use it well. And not in every case, obviously, some people use money for wrong purposes. But, you know, at least as it relates to a biblical worldview of things, God entrusts material things to some people and not to others. And so if he's entrusted you with material blessings, then be a blessing, be a funnel for for God's goodness and be generous as he's been generous to you. Um, but whether much has been given to you or little has been given to you, be good stewards of what you have. You know, Jesus said in Luke 12, verse 48, to whom much is given, much is required. So we are accountable with what we have, whether it's a lot or whether it's a little. We have to be good stewards of that. And so we, we have to make sure that we manage money well and material things well and that those things don't manage us. You know, there's, there's some cautions to materialism uh, that we need to be aware of. And I, I put it basically into three categories. The first category is identity. We have to make sure that our, de- our identity is in the Lord, not in material things. There's a lot of people who get their whole identity wrapped up in their stuff. 
And the problem with that is, many reasons, but one reason is, and then when you lose your stuff, your identity goes sailing down the river with it. And so don't, don't get attached to stuff. Your identity should not be in stuff. Identity is one. Responsibility is another. We should never live beyond our means. We should be responsible to live within our means. You know the average credit card debt of an American is over $6,000, which might be a lot to some of you who, or might be a little to some of you who have more debt than that. But most Americans, on average, have $6,000 worth of credit card debt. Why do we accumulate debt like that? Because we're living beyond our means. So identity is important when it comes to material things, making sure our, our identity is not wrapped up in our stuff, but in the Lord. Responsibility is an important thing, making sure we live within our means and, and don't leverage credit cards and credit and stuff and live beyond what we can actually afford. And the third category that I think of when I, when I you know, try to frame a biblical view of material things is tranquility. Identity, responsibility, and tranquility. We should, we should be at peace and content with what we have. We should, not be, we should not be coveting what we don't have. We should be content with what we do have. So if, if, we, if we can check the boxes in those three areas, identity, making sure our identity is not in our stuff, responsibility, making sure we live within our means, and tranquility, making sure that we're content with what we have and not covetous about what we don't have, then material things won't own you. You will own them, and you will use material things for the benefit of and the glory of God. But otherwise, we have to be careful of this. Uh, look, here's some interesting statistics because, you know, we should be challenged and aware of this as Americans. Listen to the, some of these stats. There are 300,000 items in the average American home. The average size of the American home has nearly tripled in size over the past 50 years. And still, one out of every 10 Americans rent off-site storage. And it's the fastest growing segment of the commercial real estate industry over the past four decades. While 25% of people with two-car garages don't have room to park cars inside them. And 32% only have room for one vehicle because of all our stuff. The United States is up, upward of 50,000 storage facilities, more than five times the number of Starbucks. Currently, there is 7.3 square feet of self-storage space for every man, woman, and child in this nation. Thus, it is physically possible that every American could stand all at the same time under the total canopy of self-storage roofing. That's a lot of stuff. 3.1% of the world's children live in America, just 3.1%, but they own 40% of the toys consumed globally. The average American woman owns 30 outfits. That's one for every day of the month. In 1930, it was nine. The average American throws away 65 pounds of clothing per year. Americans spend more on shoes, jewelry, and watches, 100 billion, than on higher education. So when we talk about materialism and we go, oh, that's Babylon, that's coming down the road way in the future. Well, maybe a little Babylon is here and we have to make sure that we are good stewards of what God has entrusted to our care. Nothing wrong with having stuff. Just make sure this stuff doesn't have you. And so as he continues on here in, in this chapter in verse four, uh, he gives a, a, uh, 
a call out. He says in verse 4, come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive her plagues. This is a call for God's people to separate themselves from this world system. Again, Christians will be taken from the earth, but people can still come to faith in Jesus during the tribulation period. That's who he's speaking to here. If you come to faith in Christ during the tribulation, he says, don't be a part of this world commercial system where you are you know, coveting and, um, and just living in the lap of luxury and worshiping material things. Come out. You know, all in the Bible, God constantly is directing His people. Come out. Live in the world, but don't be of the world. Separate yourself to be distinguished for the Lord. Don't get caught up in everything that the world does. So that, that's a common theme that the Bible teaches. When we come here to this particular passage, it's a call to come out of this economic system. And then he also adds in verse 8, for strong is the Lord who judges her. So God is going to judge Babylon. Let's keep reading now, verse 9. It says, the kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her will weep and lament. Notice this. Kings will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come. Meaning in one hour it's going to be swift when God brings judgment. And again, this seems to be literal here, doesn't it? Because it's talking about they're watching a great city burning. So this, you know, if it's just a system, this language here is, is too figurative. It would be too figurative. It, it, it needs to be understood as literal. Kings of the earth, they're mourning the fact that their commercial industry is collapsing because God is bringing it down. Uh, verse 10, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come. Verse 11, and the merchants of the earth, in addition to the kings will weep and mourn over her, for no one buys their merchandise anymore. See, it has this domino effect in commercial industry, and there's going to be a list now, here in verse 12, a list of assets and commodities. So verse 12, merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen and purple, Silk and scarlet, every kind of citron wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of most precious wood, bronze, iron, and marble, and cinnamon, and incense, frankincense, uh, rather fragrant oil and frankincense, wine and oil, uh, fine flour and, and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots and bodies and souls of men. The fruit that your soul longed for has gone from you, and all the things which are rich and splendid have gone from you, and you shall find them no more at all. And so it's a list of all this different, these commercial commodities and assets. These are the things that are just going to begin to lose their value. It's going to become, you know, you talk about a stock market crash. I mean, all of this is going to come to an end. Uh, Verse 15, the merchants of these things who became rich by her will stand at a distance for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing. There you have these words again. And saying, alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, for in one hour such great riches came to nothing. Every shipmaster... Or some of your translations say captain. Every captain. All who traveled by ship. Sailors. 
And as many as trade on the sea stood at a distance and cried out when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What is like this great city? In verse 19, they, they threw dust on their heads and cried out, weeping and wailing and saying, very similar to what the merchants and the kings said, Alas, alas, that great city in which all who had ships on the sea became rich by her wealth, for in one hour she is made desolate. And so between all these uh, different verses here, verses uh, 9, 11, and 19, it talks about kings, it talks about merchants, it talks about captains and sailors. They will weep. It talks about they will lament. It says they will mourn and they will wail because they will lament their material loss. But what is so sad is they're not lamenting about their spiritual loss. They're not lamenting over the fact that they are estranged from God. This is not moving them to the heart of God. They are lamenting over the fact that their material things have lost their value or disintegrated or burned or been taken from them. That's what they're mourning about. They're weeping over their stuff. I mean, you talk about a culture that's become consumed with materialism. It's this culture here. And God is going to bring it to an end because God knocks down every idol in our lives. At some point, by some means or some methods, have you ever noticed that? When you start to have too much affection for something or someone other than God, you ever noticed how he begins to knock down our idols? And so God is the only one who should be exalted. The whole world is going to turn towards this religious system God will destroy, and the whole world is going to turn towards this commercial economic system that they worship. God's going to destroy it. He's going to show them on whom they should have their true dependence. And so all of these things are going to pass away. Now notice verse 20, rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. Notice what's happening in heaven. There's rejoicing in heaven while there is mourning and weeping and wailing going on on earth. Quite a contrast. The last section here in verse 21 says, then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found anymore. So the last verse to highlight from this chapter is verse 21 here, where where he says just what I read, and it's, it's telling us that God will destroy Babylon. Will he destroy the city or will he destroy the system or both? I think it's both. It's both this economic center that also is a system that people have been exalting and God is going to destroy it. It won't be found anymore. Verse 22, the sound of harpists, musicians, flutists or flautists and trumpeters shall not be heard in you anymore. No craftsman of any craft shall be found in you anymore. And the sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore. And the voice of bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your sorcery all the nations were deceived. And in her was found in the blood of prophets and saints and of all who were slain on the earth." And so God brings an end to spiritual Babylon and political commercial Babylon. And Paul will tell us in 2 Thessalonians 2.8, 
that the lawless one, that is the Antichrist, because all of this rises on the back of the Antichrist. Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians 2.8 that the lawless one will be overthrown by the breath of the Lord and will be destroyed by the splendor of his coming. That's chapter 19, and that's next week. Thanks for listening today to Cornerstone Connection. This book of Revelation that you've been studying with Pastor Gary is one that many have studied and analyzed, tried and tried again to pinpoint on a timeline. When will Jesus come? When will these and times events take place? Have they already begun? There are many questions we don't have the answers to, and we won't until they happen. But there are some truths that we can hold on to. These events will happen. Jesus is returning, and he will defeat Satan once and for all. And all those who have made Jesus Lord in their life will be with him for eternity. What a wonderful time that will be. So where does that leave us? It's important to know what's coming so that you can prepare now and trust Jesus for what we don't know. We must give our lives to the Lord, and we need to give others the opportunity to do the same. We're so glad you tuned in for today's study in Revelation. If you'd like to explore more teachings from God's Word that Pastor Gary has shared, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. There you'll also learn more about the church behind this ministry, Cornerstone Chapel. Come visit us if you're in the area. All the information you need is at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Join us next time for more here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.